I choose to praise and glorify, glorify the name of all names. And nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, glorify, glorify the name of all names. Nothing can stand against, and I choose to praise, glorify, glorify the name of all names. Nothing can stand against, we choose to praise, glorify, glorify the name of all names. Nothing can stand against. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Sing, saints, oh yes, I will lift you high. In the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. One more time, oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Bless your name. We come for you, God. come for you as a deer at the water. So our souls thirst for you. We don't search for any God. We search for the living God. This world is under siege. We will lift you high even in the valley where you promised us you would set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. That you would anoint our heads with oil. That our cups run over. And surely, surely, you promised we would dwell in the all the days of our lives. God, we come for you. Visit us now. Oh, Holy Spirit. Use my mouth. Use my mind. Use my soul. Push it out of here and speak, Lord. In Jesus' name, fill my mouth. Amen. 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 Before I go to another moment, I, I want to give honor to Pastor Brian Biggers. Um, we were at Golden Corral. What day was it? It was last week. <laughs> I can't even remember. It was very recent. And we're eating, well, they were eating Golden Corral. <laughs> I was drinking water. Uh, 
And um, my buddy Cornelius Muller had uh, connected us. And so we all, all three of us were sitting down and I'm telling the story about this Burlington tent revival. Have you heard about it? Have you heard about it? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to put a, a tent the length of a football field right next to Cox Toyota. It's going up on Monday. Um, and so be prepared for whatever God wants to do. But we were talking about it and Pastor Bigger said, okay, well, we'd love to come have you um, at service on the 11th. And I was like, wow, and I'm taking notes like, yeah, I put it in my calendar. I'll come fellowship with you guys. I said, it'd be my honor to come and fellowship with you. He said, no, I want you to preach. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, 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 I thought he was joking and uh, he was not. And so I give honor to, to the man of God of your house who's got a great sense of humor. But um, more than anything, he gives honor to God. And um, as he told me, he says, when the Lord tells you to do something, you just do it. And um, I praise God for him and his family. So please keep him in prayer. Um, in this world we live in, there is persecution afoot. If you walk away with nothing else from today, I'm serious. Get ready. Get ready. Your faith is going to be tested. Your, your profession of your mouth, of who you serve is going to be tested. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time. I also want to give honor to my wife, Chastity, my kids. Um, they are here. And Chas is the one who has been anointed to tell me what no one else will. And, uh, I receive her counsel. And I'm excited. Uh, for where God has brought us. It was just January 3rd, my last day on the air in Indianapolis. Went through a few interviews, network interviews, and everybody's saying all this great stuff, and we were praying and fasting. God, close every door that's not for us. And guess what he did? He closed every door. <laughs> every single last one. People were saying, hey man, um, it's not a matter of whether or not we want you to work for us. Do you, want to, do you want to work here? Never heard from her again. God is sovereign. And, um, you know, I've been preaching since 2008 on the side. And God said, okay, it's time for you to put everything over there and go and do what I need you to do. And one of my callings is to stir up the church. And that's a good word. I mean, have you ever had Kool-Aid that ain't stirred up? It ain't right. You remember Tang? Who remembers Tang? Put hand, show of hand. Listen, Tang was it, except when it wasn't stirred up. And so I, I take it as a privilege and an honor the Lord would trust me to stir up people that know more about God than I do. I'm excited, man. This is my seven-year-old son Jackson's guitar. Can you hear it? Probably doesn't sound too good right now. Let's see. What is Frank doing? What are you doing, man? This is church. I don't know. The Lord is tuning up the church, y'all. You know, when these strings are not in concert, 
It's called cacophonous. It's a sound no one wants to hear. So sometimes you got to have somebody tune each individual string. Somebody who's adept at it. So that all of the strings together when they are played make a sound that people want to hear. Now, the thing about the world is the entire world needs to hear the church. But a lot of the world doesn't want to. So we've got to be concerned about how we deliver what they need. You ever had a, a baby and, and you want to feed them peas? <laughs> Tutti Frutti is not a problem. But when you have peas or uh, what's the other stuff? You know, apricots are good. They want the apricots. They don't want the, you know, processed kale or whatever you do. My wife, when we had our kids, she was so amazing. She would take a blender and take the fresh stuff and, and then put it in the freezer and in, in, in uh, ice trays and in each individual serving size. And then whenever they needed peas, she'd bring out the pureed peas and put it in the microwave, da, 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 and stir it up and feed it to them. But it was not, it was not well received. So you had to do some airplane and sometimes you had to taste it yourself and say, ooh, mm, and you're lying. This is great. Mm. The baby knows you're not telling the truth. So we want to be truthful, right? We share the gospel. But at the same time, I think you get where I'm going is we're seeing it all. All of us are seeing it. The world is on fire, man. But we need to see it by the spirit. Wildfires in California. Yes, let's pray for preservation of life. But what is the Lord saying? He's saying, I want to break out like a wildfire. We got to be watchful. What are you talking about today, Frank? I'm talking about the power of prophecy. I'm talking about the power of prophecy. If you would do me the honor of sharing with you from this, I want to talk to you about the power of prophecy. I'm going to tell you a dream I had the other night. The Lord speaks to me in vivid dreams. And in this dream, one second, in this dream, the Lord showed me a roof. I was inside the house and it was pouring down rain, much like what we came into today. And uh, the Lord took my attention to the gutters around the roof. So we know what gutters are supposed to do. It's supposed to capture the water and then um, put it where it needs to go. So it's not just everywhere and damaging the house. It gets to the spout where it goes down into a particular location. So you're controlling the flow of the rain. So I'm watching the gutters and something was preventing the gutters from catching the water. And I remember discerning that we as a body of Christ, when we see things around us and it's not right, that we shouldn't be worried. Let me just start there. You shouldn't be worried right now. You shouldn't be worried. Yeah, you're seeing something's not right with the house. I'm not talking about the house of God. I'm talking about the world. We're seeing it. 
But watch what the Lord said. He says, we shouldn't allow anything on the outside or the edges of our lives to prevent us from receiving what the Lord has for us. So when we're getting distracted by all the stuff on the outside, right? We can be focused on the wrong thing. When God's trying to do something in us, we're focusing on the external. So the Lord says, he has to help us stay in tune to what he is doing. We can get easily distracted and worried about what's going on in our house, our nation, our world, our church, but the Lord has a process in place to keep us in receipt of all the spiritual blessings that God has for us. So let him fix the gutter. Let him direct the flow. We're going to talk about that in a second. He never stops raining on the just and the unjust. That's biblical. That's in the word. He never stops raining on the just and the unjust. We don't deserve it. He just loves us. And the way the Lord captures his heart and delivers it to us day by day is through prophecy. You're like, what? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. The way that he captures his heart and delivers it to us day by day is through prophecy. You might be wondering how that relates to prayer and the word of God. It's all related to prophecy. The Lord has given us tools to reveal his heart and to receive his heart. So think about Moses or whoever wrote Genesis. You know, the tradition is that Moses wrote Genesis, that he wrote Leviticus, that he wrote Exodus, that he wrote, he wrote much of the Torah. Well, who told him to write it? The Lord. So when we're reading the word of God, we're reading the heart of the father, we're reading Jesus, we're reading prophecy. It's just written down. We're gonna talk about some cool things that the Lord is doing right now. Hearing and seeing well, that is the goal of prophecy. It is to help us hear and see well. So as he's tuning up the church, He's doing this right here. He does it by his word. He does it by the spirit and power of prophecy. You hear this? He tunes us up and he's tuning up the church right now. There is so much prophetic word going out. If you were to Google prophecy right now, God is speaking through so many people in so many ways right now. It is like drinking from a fire hose. He is speaking so loud and most of what you will read is, a, is in concert, it all fits together. Now I'm not saying there are no false prophets because certainly there are. But what you will read is in concert. One of the things we keep hearing is revival is at hand. Has anyone heard that lately? Revival is at hand, that the kingdom of God is about to do something and break out among us. Not just in America, but all over the world. A global pandemic, could it be that a global pandemic was a seed through which the Lord was going to get the entire world's attention? Could it be? That's what people are prophesying. So we know this God is a spirit, we can't see him. But he wants us to know him by the spirit. He is spiritually discerned. So there is an unseen element to his communication. There's a power, a force, a texture, a feeling that creates and comforts and edifies. He uses prophecy to administer his goodness. 
Let's go to Revelation 1910 because I do have a Bible. Okay. I love this. This is great, man. God is good, isn't he? I'm sitting up here standing on a, a man, this, this is huge. I could run a lap. Revelation 19.10. So it says here, this is John writing. It says, and I fell at his feet. I'm reading the New King James. I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the what? Spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So here the Lord is revealing his will to John. He uses an angel in this particular text to show him and deliver this particular piece of his heart to John. And John responds with worry. So this is where John is being shown that there was no one worthy to break the seals by which the world would be redeemed in its finality. They were searching for someone who can break the seals of the book so that stuff can start happening and they couldn't find one. And so John's getting worried. He gets down on his, on his face and he's worshiping the angel. And the angel's like, no, 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 don't do that. I'm like you, bro. I'm just a delivery device. Are you hearing me? The angel says, no, I'm like you. I'm just a delivery device. Worship God, right? For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He's saying my message is coming from Jesus by the spirit of prophecy. So there are vessels God uses to deliver a spiritual potency called prophecy. And the recipient thereof then has a choice of what to do with it. So John, as he's being shown all of this stuff, in receipt of it, he immediately responds emotionally. He couldn't see the bigger picture that what we were seeing is how worthy the lamb is, that he's the only one worthy, right? I'm getting somewhere, so he's getting somewhere. So watch this, John re re uh, responds with worry because he sees himself in the process. He's seeing that, oh, there's no one worthy like me, I'm not worthy, oh my gosh, this is an emergency. But that's not the point, is it? The revelation of John was for all of us to be edified, pr protected from fear, and, and also be intelligently informed about sequence of events that were going to happen. So that when things start rocking and rolling, we're seeing the Lord, we're seeing his faithfulness. We're not seeing, oh my goodness, there's a coronavirus pandemic, what are we gonna do? No, we're saying, wow, God is faithful. God's doing something. This reminds me of something I've read before. That we are in the end times. That we are in end times church. Praise the Lord. What do I do with this word? What do I do when I see what's going on by the spirit? What do I do? He's tuning us up to hear his heart so we can do what he needs us to do. So we can't see ourselves in the process. We should be seeing him. God takes care of everything. All we need to do is receive. 
our hearts must remember that the work was finished on the cross when Jesus said it is finished. Yeah. So so we have the privilege of being a part of the process, but he's already done the work. He's just asking us to participate in what already has been delivered. He's saying, I need my family to operate as my family so that we can all reign forever. So note what the angel said. He says, John, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He is saying, listen to this, that the power, the life, the breath, the move of prophecy is intricately and inescapably linked to the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the story, the picture, the experience, the words of Jesus, whether they are in the Bible or in prayer or in his incarnate appearances, all of it is prophecy. So we're demystifying the word. That's what God has us doing. He's, de- he's demystifying the word prophecy. People hear prophecy and they're thinking someone's going to show up wearing camel's hair, eating locusts and honey, <laughs> speaking in old, old English, thy will be done, O Lord. Thus saith the Lord. It's not, that's not what prophecy is. Prophecy has everything to do with the source and everything to do with the purpose. The source is Jesus Christ. The purpose is to glorify him. It's a message. Watch this. Prophecy is Jesus's involvement with mankind. So when he, when they said, hey, Philip said, hey, Jesus, uh, when are you going to show us the father? And and he looked at Philip and said, wait a minute, Philip, I've been with you this long and you, you haven't seen, you don't know me. Who was speaking through Jesus at the time? The father. Jesus came to reveal the father by his actions, his words, everything, everything. He was exuding prophecy. He was the walking prophecy of the father who could not come here, right? I'm gonna show you something really exciting about that in just a second. So why are we talking about this? Because to see and hear Jesus well, we need to embrace the idea of prophecy. I'm gonna say that again, to see and hear Jesus well, we need to embrace the idea of prophecy. For some time, People with the prophetic gifting all over the world have been talking about this year being the year of the mouth. The year of the mouth. You might have heard that. So in the Hebrew calendar, this is the year 5780. So the Jewish tradition is 5,780 years ago was when God said, let there be light. Okay. The number 80 in Hebrew is represented by the letter pay, which also means mouth. Letters in the Hebrew, in Hebrew, have a symbolic representation. So when you look at the letter pay, it looks like a mouth. It literally, you look at it, it looks like a mouth. So 5780, 80, pay represents mouth. So in this hour, it's been prophesied that we need to know what God is saying. What is God saying? Listen, when you watch CNN tomorrow and you hear this and that opinion and that opinion, da da da, stop and say, what is God saying? Has anyone noticed how confusing this era is right now? Confusion. It is a spirit 
that does not descend from heaven. It comes from hell. And it wants to confuse you because if I can confuse you, I can make you afraid. And if I can make you afraid, you're not walking in faith. And if you're not walking in faith, you're not glorifying Jesus. And if you're not glorifying Jesus, nothing's changing. So we need to know what the Lord is saying. He's tuning us up. What happens when you tune something? Someone's hearing. He's tuning us up so the hearing can also be alert, so that the antenna's receiving the right transmission. Could it be that the coronavirus is for the church to wake up? Could it be? So that the Lord has our attention and we begin to tune in. What is God saying? There's no better way to get people att uh, attention on what God is saying than for God to allow something to happen that you have no control over and you can't change and you've got to live with it for seven months. Seven months of a coronavirus pandemic. And then the president gets it. So, so, so listen, so when we, when we thought, you know what, the schools are going to open back up and da 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 no, God said, bam, now we're going to get your, do not take your eyes off of me. Amen. He says, do not fall asleep. What happens is the Lord knows we can be like Peter walking on water one moment, the next moment denying Jesus Christ. You have got to stay awake in this hour. So the word of God has to take prep. It has to take priority. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. We know how prayer works, don't we? You know, I love people to try to tell me how to pray. Listen, I got my own relationship with the Lord. I'm not saying that books aren't good. I'm not saying that the Acts prayer is not good. What I'm saying is at the end of the day, my time with the Lord is patented for me and him. It is me. And, and so what happens is I, in this season of time, have had to go into my closet a few extra times, stay a little longer and tune in. What am I listening for? The testimony of Jesus. Listening is important right now. Somebody say, I need to listen. Come on, somebody. The spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus. What is Jesus saying right now? Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. I love this story because it shows you that you're not qualified and it doesn't matter. It does not matter if you went to seminary. I'm not saying seminary is bad. I'm saying for you to walk in an authority of the testimony of Jesus, to hear him and to speak what he's speaking. First Samuel chapter 10, we're going to talk about a man named Saul. Everybody knows how he ended up. But when he had a little humility, he received an anointing. Let's see, God, where do you want me to talk about him? First Samuel chapter 10, let's go to verse 6. So this is when he's being anointed by Samuel to be the first king of Israel. A lot of people don't remember 
The reason why Saul had to be anointed king of Israel is not just because God said so. It's because Samuel's own sons were not walking to glorify the Lord. So Samuel, this dude, the Bible testifies, and I think this is so appropriate, that Samuel did not let a word of the Lord hit the ground. That when he heard from the Lord, that word went where he needed it to go. That he could rely on Samuel to be a vessel of prophecy so that people could hear what God is saying. But his his sons, however, couldn't get it. So we're talking about generations. God is concerned about generations. We can't live on our papa's faith. We can't live on granddaddy's faith, grandmama's faith. Look, I know grandmama can pray. I know grandmama. She can pray. But we can't live off her prayers. Amen? Watch this. Verse six, Samuel says to Saul, then the spirit of the Lord will come on you and you will what? Prophesy with them and be turned into another man. I want you to take note of how this happened. That Samuel didn't say, you're gonna pray really hard and all of a sudden you're gonna be another man. He said, in a moment, it's gonna come on you. You're gonna be in receipt of a gift and in so doing, you will be able to prophesy. And he says, and let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you. So whatever happens to Saul is not only going to give him the ability to do something he couldn't do, but also is going to give him the ability to discern what to do with it. Wow. Somebody say that's a miracle. He got, wait a minute, you're saying the guy who went looking for some lost cattle all of a sudden he's being anointed king and in the same day he's being told you're going to start prophesying and you're going to know exactly what to do. I don't need to hold your hand. So let's see what actually happened. Let's fast forward to verse 10. It says, when they came to a hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. And then the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. So it happened. All it happened and added and it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets and the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. So this dude's a different guy. This dude's a different guy. He's been anointed and appointed king. He's, a, he's, a, he's a prophesying now. And the big thing I want you to get from this is he didn't deserve it. There's an appointed time for people to receive what God needs for them because there's a calling on their life to do something. And Saul needed to be acquainted with the presence of God, but also people needed to see that this guy has what what he needs to have. And the words he spoke, do you note that we don't even know what he said? Because what he said was not for us. It was for who was there at the time. God doesn't want us to be caught up in that. It was a gift of God for him and to do the work of ministry for those who were around him at the time. So let's look at the power of tongues. The power of tongues. Watch this. The Bible is prophecy. It has changed the world. It still is changing. There is another level of prophecy we just saw. 
We just saw a person who wasn't in a school. He wasn't being taught. He had a gift given to him at a certain time and then he started operating in it. The Lord started talking to me about this. He said, Frank, what people don't know is what happened in that time frame with Saul was he was prophesying, meaning he was speaking in a tongue that was inspired by God. Whatever he was saying at the time was an utterance inspired by the Holy Spirit. That is the basis of tongues. I want you to know that. I think we all agree that if I just start spontaneously talking in another tongue by the power of God, that's coming from heaven. The source is heaven and it, it's coming out of me. So I don't know what language Saul was speaking. He could have been speaking Hebrew. I have no idea. The point is there's a relationship between prophecy and tongues because it's the same process. God putting something on you and it's coming out of you to deliver a message. Now sometimes, as we're gonna learn later, people around you won't know what you're saying so the message is not for them. You're saying something into the atmosphere. And I'm gonna tell you something. God brought my attention to this. He said, Frank, a lot of people who have the gift of speaking in tongues don't use it. And I need you to tell them they need to be using it. Why? Because when God opens your mouth and you're saying those things, you are prophesying what? Whatever God needs to be said right then. Out of your, out of your knowledge? No. Out of his knowledge, his power, his sovereignty. I'm not saying we go up to people and just start doing it. I'm saying in prayer, I'm saying in worship, the Bible says that you're speaking to God. Why does God need to hear from you in a language that other people don't understand? Because he's allowing his word to come out of you, the word that will not return to him void. It needs to return to him. Why? Because it's by faith things happen in the earth. So when he gives me the ability to speak in tongues, he's saying, Frank, I know you, you won't even understand what you're saying, but I so much need what you're going to say to happen. I'm going to do it through you so that I can obey your faith. Listen, watch this. Yeah, come on. Listen, the currency of heaven is faith. If you're going to buy something from heaven, you can have billions of dollars. God is not moved. But if you have faith, everything happens. When he spoke to Adam and Eve and said, go take dominion, he meant it. Dominion has been given to the believer. Authority has been given to the believer. Jesus Christ said the kingdom of God is within you. John 17. He said to the father, he said, father, the same glory you've given me, I've given them. Why? Is it because he just wants you to look nice? No, because he needs you to bring the kingdom in the, into the earth. So your words are critical for that. Yes, there are people who have an office of a prophet. That's a person who, that's their job in the kingdom. That God has given them such a measure of anointing and faith that he gives them insight that is different from insight others get and, he, and they can in turn give it to us in a deliverable manner so that the church knows the times and the seasons. Not everyone's called to that. That is a special gift. That is an office. I'm talking about the act of prophecy. That when God gives you a tongue, it's not just to be happy. You are opening your mouth and delivering an attack on the kingdom of darkness. You are saying things that the demons understand. You are proclaiming things to happen that you don't know, but God knows what you're saying, and he's a, he is answering it with angelic assistance. 
This is why the church has to understand the gift of tongues. We don't need to be, we don't need to be into the power. We don't need to be into looking holy. No, we need to be into bringing the kingdom of God to pass. I hope this is helping somebody. I hope this is, because many of us, and I'm not saying everyone in here has to speak in tongues, what I'm saying is, we're going to get to this in a second, that if you do, you need to begin to discern and ask the Lord, when do I need to open up and do this thing? When the Spirit of the Lord hits you, there is liberty. There's a freedom for you to use that gift. And there's an order to it, but I want you to know it's for your use, to use it for the kingdom's glory. Watch what Jesus said in Mark 16, 17. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. So a sign of being a believer is speaking in what's called new tongues. There's something new there that didn't exist before. We know what happened on the day of Pentecost. Now, this is what amazes me. God has brought my attention to this this week. He fed 5,000 men. He fed another few thousand men and another. So then you add women and children, you're talking about 20,000 folk. Okay, let's get conservative. Let's say it's 10,000. These people saw, witnessed, experienced, ate from the miraculous power of the Son of God. But on the day of Pentecost, how many people were there? 120, around 120 is what it actually says. So maybe we had 119, maybe we had 117, maybe we had 123, I don't know. But don't you find it interesting that the people who were following Jesus, most of them weren't there to receive the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is is a barrier to, to that gift, to that power, and it's in here. Here's the only thing I'm gonna tell you. Be available to whatever God wants to do in your life. Be available. Speak Holy Spirit. So what happened to those 120? It says they, the Spirit descended on them like tongues of fire and they began to speak in new tongues. And watch this. This is what it says in Acts 2. Let's go there. Acts 2. My friend Peter starts talking. Oh, this is good, Lord. Somebody say, this is good. Listen, God is going to unleash something in this body. Do you understand you guys are a battalion in the kingdom army? There's territory that you've been given specific authority over to maintain for the kingdom of God that the kingdom of darkness can't take it from you. And this is a vital tool. This is a weapon. Watch what, uh, what, what, what happens here. So let's just say, let's go to verse seven. No, verse six. So when this sound occurred, this is when the sound of the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, the multitude came together and were confused. So all these people were witnesses to this because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these who speak Galileans? They were trying to figure it out. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, all parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. The point is everybody from all different places were hearing what they needed to hear in that moment in their own language. 
And it says, we hear them speaking in our own language, the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? But there were others mocking, saying they are full of new wine. Then Peter steps up. And Peter, in verse 14, stands up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass, verse 17, in the last day. Somebody say, these are the last days. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Listen, and then he says, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, verse 18, and they shall what? Prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. So, so what's the point? Here we are in the end times and God in that scripture prioritizes prophecy. Visions and dreams are elements of prophecy. You get a vision, you get a dream, God needs you to interpret that. Why? To release the testimony of Jesus. What is Jesus saying? Why is it that Jesus told them, do not go into Judea, Jerusalem, and all the ends of the earth and Samaria until you have received the gift from my Father? Because prophecy and the power of the Word of God that comes from the heavens alone is a weapon it is that Jesus breathed on them when he was walking with them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But between then and the time they actually got the Holy Spirit, they went fishing. I'm just telling you, seven of them went fishing. Peter was one of them. They did not discern what they needed. They were like, okay, well, we'll just, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. But they obeyed when the Lord said, go be available. And the thing I love about this is, it had been seven days since he had gone back, right? Because he was on the earth 40 days after the resurrection. So 43 days since, 43 days since the crucifixion. So Pentecost means 50. So 50 minus 43, seven. Seven days they waited. I've never sat in a room for seven days and waited for nothing. I don't know about you. I go to the BMV and I'm looking at, I'm like 20 minutes. I mean, so imagine the process that goes between hearing this is for you and receiving it. You go through a whole lot of gymnastics. You're thinking, well, if he says I'm going to receive it, why can't he just do it now? Then eventually you start telling stories. Well, you know, Jesus did do these miracles. Yeah, okay, wow, those are good times, man. Yeah, why are we sitting here? Don't know. Eventually you're just like, God, get on with it. What is it? And then you're like, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then you realize it's not up to you and you just say, okay, when it happens, it'll happen. And that's when we just are available. Jesus had sent the Holy Spirit. The same one sent to all of us to give us access to the wonders of God and to proclaim them in order for what? The world to be saved. If we had kept reading in Acts 2, that's where Peter ended up. He said, your, your men should dream dreams, your and then he said, and all who believe on him shall be saved. So the point is not, again, power. The point is not to be prestigious. The point is to glorify God. So why? The earth will see who he is and receive him. 
It is a weapon. Say, he's talking about prophecy. Many of us hide this gift. We only use it behind closed doors. It is not meant for that. It is meant for the work of the kingdom. You are speaking with the tongues of angels. Jude 20 says, you are praying when you're praying in the spirit, you are building up your own faith. So the things that you don't know to say when you're in prayer, God gives it to you in that language and you're saying it to him. And he honors that. You might, the Bible even says that the spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Meaning your natural mind doesn't even know how to express what's going on in your soul. You become a man. Women, ladies, you become like us. We don't understand our emotions. We don't know what to say. But all of us have this spiritually. Sometimes there's groanings and stuff going on. You're watching the news. You're watching a debate. You're watching whatever. And you're just like, ah. And sometimes you just need to start speaking and praying in tongues right then. Release that gift. Release that gift. Speak Holy Ghost. All right, let's talk about 1 Corinthians 14. I'm almost done. 1 Corinthians 14. Because there, there, there are some, um, some, some rule book kind of stuff, some, some, some hash marks, some, some uh, barrier. No, let's not call them barriers. Let's call them guidelines for what we, what we need to be doing. Okay? So this is, you, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, many of us know, you know, it's the love chapter. A lot of us forget what Paul was getting at. He was talking about how to use your gifts. He's, he's in the middle of a conversation about spiritual gifts and love and how every gift we get from God should be done through love. That's why he says, if I have the tongues of angels and I don't have love, right? He's basically, he's warning them. Do not receive the gift and then be reckless. Do it with love. But then he comes back in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So he's saying, pursue these things. And then he says, especially that you might what? Prophesy. This is Paul. It ain't Frank. Paul says, pursue spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Then he says, for he who speaks in a tongue. Uh oh, wait a minute. He just conflated the two. He conflated. He said prophecy. And then he starts talking about tongues. Wow. So there is a relationship. But watch what he says about tongues. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So if you have that gift right now, I want you to be bold in using your gift in love. Know that you're speaking to God mysteries. He is literally, God is gifting you with a mystery that he can't even release to you in your natural mind for you to pray it out of your mouth with a tongue you can't understand so that he can receive it in the throne room and put it in the bowl of the prayers of the saints so then somebody, an angel in heaven can use that prayer and then make stuff happen. I'm all in the book. Did you know that your prayers are kept in a bowl in heaven for specific purposes at specific times. And so when you release that prophetic, that word that came from heaven, God then catches it in the throne room and then stuff. So do you not see in the hour that we're in why it's important for us to be doing this? You have authority. Let's keep talking to Paul. He says, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So now he's saying, you're not speaking in a tongue. You're speaking with 
a language people can understand. You're doing this to edify, exhort, and comfort. Then he goes back to tongues. He says, he who speaks in the tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So do you see what's happening? There's a public and a private version of this. The private version of prophecy, you know, you're speaking in a tongue, but the public is when the Lord gives you with a knowing that he's saying something in a, in a dream, in a vision, or when you begin to trust and know his voice, it's for you to edify and comfort. Then he says, listen to this, verse five. He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Wow. He is showing you just how powerful this gift is, but he's not done. He then goes and says, but even more he wants for you to prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Is this touching anybody? If you, you can walk out if you don't like it. Me. It'll hurt me. It'll hurt me, but it's okay. All right, let's go further down. Let's go to verse 22. It's not for display. It's to help us see and hear Jesus. I'm talking about tongues. It's the testimony, the story of Jesus at any given moment. It is what? This is what I need you to hear. When you are praying in a tongue or when you are prophesying, you are speaking what Jesus is speaking right then. You are saying what he is saying right then. What did he say? Without me, you can do nothing. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and I will what? Do it. He's talking about praying in tongues and spiritual prophets, the prophetic gift. You're abiding in relationship with him to the point that you are a vessel of his words. He says in 20, verse 22, therefore tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Let's stop right there. The Bible talks about how signs, miracles, and wonders are for confirmation of the gospel. So when Jesus sent us out and said, hey, go out into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then in another version of the Great Commission, it says that they did all those things, and it says that signs, wonders, and miracles confirmed what they said. So if we're sitting on a gift that the Lord literally says is useful for a sign to an unbeliever, we got to know how to use that gift. Jesus said some people will not believe unless they see signs, wonders, and miracles. Wow. Wow. So then he says in verse 20, uh, 23, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there comes in someone who's uninformed or unbelievers, will they not just say you're out of your mind? <laughs> but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. So literally what he's saying is an evangelistic tool is prophecy. So a lot of times we're sitting there like, man, the world just needs Jesus. He's like, yeah, I'm in you, let me out. Let your light shine before men so they might see your good works, right? And glorify your Father in heaven. Like, let it out. He says the light should not be kept under a basket. Who is the operative actor in those verses? We are. He says, let it. Let your light shine. He's talking to us. He's like, let it happen. 
He said, it's not meant to be kept under a bushel, meaning, dude, don't put a basket over the light. Let it out. Somebody say amen. Amen. There is a power that's unleashed when we understand this gift. We can pray and prophesy individually by releasing what God is saying. But when we appear to others, we should seek to interpret the power of that prophecy. I'm going to say it again. When we appear to others, we should seek to interpret the power of the prophecy. It's got the power to transform in an instant because you are speaking the mysteries only God can speak about a person or a time or a situation. Now let's talk about the word rhema. We're going to wrap it up. Rhema is a word used in the New Testament. It's a Greek word. And I'm going to show you what it says in the uh, Bible dictionaries about what it is. It's related to the word reo. Reo means to utter. So rhema and logos are two different things. When the Bible says that uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, right? The word was God. That's logos word. That's talking about Jesus. That's talking about uh, written word. Written word. But, But rhema word is different. It means to utter. So this is something being spoken. This is something coming out of a vessel. Now watch this. It's related to a word called riuo, which means to flow or run as water. It is an utterance that comes with momentum, power, ease, direction. It has an origin that pushes it out. It has a particular matter or topic. So rhema word addresses something. It's a command in some cases. It can be a narration, a story, or a contention. So we are delivering something with our mouths that tells a story or brings a command or brings uh, confirmation or gives comfort about a situation. It is edification. It is not the written word. And since it has force, The origin comes, get this, from an unseen source from inside you. This is not serving yourself. This is not flesh. It has substance. It can be recorded, but it cannot be silenced. So once it's out, it's out. And it's got to be dealt with, right? Once it is spoken, the force goes out with it. You hear me? Once it is spoken, the force goes out with it. There's power that goes with it. There's power. Now watch this. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 10. We talked about how the spirit came on him and he started prophesying. But guess what? Before that, he received a prophecy. Samuel said, this is what's going to happen to you. So then because Samuel was obedient and spoke it, the power for it to happen was out there. Saul grabbed it with his faith, even though he didn't understand it, and it happened. Some of us are dealing with family matters. Some of us are dealing, and the Lord has a word in your mouth that if it came out, it will change it. I'm telling, look, when you pray, when you pray, you can pray with authority and that's prophecy. When you say, Lord, in Jesus' name, I come against every demonic force in my family that has caused confusion and disruption and division. I speak life over my family. I speak unity over my family according to Ephesians chapter 4. Whatever you want to say. And do it with authority, knowing that as you release that word, that rhema, he's using your vessel to release his will. Is this making sense? Let's go to Luke 1.38, and we're going to be done with Scripture. Luke 1.38. 
The Bible, uh, I'm sorry, the Lord had me pray for my wife yesterday. And we're familiar with the scripture where it says that you should wash your wife with the water of the word. That word is rhema. So when I got this revelation about rhema, I said, oh, so you want, to, you want me to prophesy over my wife? So man, I started praying and the Lord just started releasing stuff. I mean, it was just my, my willingness to do it made it happen. I said, okay, Lord, I believe you're asking me to prophesy over my wife. We're sitting in our room and we're just talking. I said, Chas, I'm, I feel like I need to pray for you. I released this revelation the Lord had given me and I started praying. And this power, this force started pushing words out of me over her. We recorded it and I, she has it now and, and we can go back to that word whenever we want. And it's a transformational, directional word of God. But this is exactly what happened to Mary in Luke 138. This is exactly, and we're going to stop right here because I think this says it all. Jesus himself said, these words which I say unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That's rhema. John 6, 63. He said, these words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So the word, the rhema word that comes as an utterance from heaven has life and spirit in it. The Bible says the power of death and life are in your tongue. It's not when you sit around and read the newspaper and read the paper out loud. No, it's when you, by faith, say something that agrees with the will of heaven out of your mouth. 138, Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your rhema. And the angel departed from her. What did the angel say? He had a rhema word for her. He was a vessel of the Lord uttering the will of God to a teenage virgin. He said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. He had told her you're going to get pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And I'm here to announce to you that God's will for you is to get pregnant by the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about bringing forth a natural baby. I'm saying the spiritual birth of anointed words that happens when you are willing to release them. That things change. Do you see the world needs your prayers? The world needs you to release the will of God out of your mouth now. We can't wait another day. I'm not waiting on Trump, Biden, Kamala Harris, Mike Pence, Jesus put himself in me. I'm releasing the word and the will of God. By the power of the rhema in me, I declare this is revival time. The Lord is turning the people's hearts back to him, said Elijah. He prayed and said, show them, O Lord, that you're turning their hearts back to you. You know what he did before that? He dug a trough around the altar he built and he made room for the word. It said that it was enough to bring a double portion of seed. And guess what else? He had them bring water and pour it in there. The power of the spirit of God and the word of God in conjunction brought fire from heaven. And the faith of the man of God is what brought their hearts back to him. He needs your faith. Dig deep and make room for the word. Let the spirit come on those words and speak out loud. God, you're turning your people back to you. 